Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including life groups, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Ashley Dalen. Feel free to have a seat. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad you're here with us. If it's your first time here, I want to say welcome. If you call this place home, I want to say welcome. If you're curious about Jesus, I want to say welcome. And if you're a new believer, I want to say welcome. And if you're with us online, I want to say welcome. It's good to be here today with you. My name is Ash. I am the pastor of Neighborhood Ministries, and you'll see behind me on the screen some of the incredible ministries that I get to oversee um, that seek to bless the city. And if you like stories, I send out stories every month in our neighborhood newsletter. So if you want to get our neighborhood newsletter and stay in the loop on what God is doing in our city and through these ministries, I encourage you to go to the website, find the neighborhoods page and sign up for those. I'd love for you to know all the fun stuff. I also get the incredible opportunity of co-overseeing Night to Shine with uh, Amy, our pastor of Glow Ministries. And like you heard in the announcements, y'all, we're two weeks away. It's coming up. And I know some of you have been on the fence. You're not sure. So turn your attention to the screen. I'm hopeful the spirit will move in you through this video. What are you most excited for? I'm just excited to be here at night to shine and get my dance on. Yeah. Is this your first time? Yes. 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 I've always wanted to come to night to shine. I've heard my friends talking about it, and it sounds like a really awesome event. And I, yeah, yeah. So I've been waiting for this all week. There's nothing like the magic in your eyes Everybody wants to be somebody Everybody wants to be someone Everybody wants to be somebody But I just want to be somebody to you Prom 
for individuals who experience a disability, and we'd love for you to join us. Amy and Shannon are going to be in the lobby, and uh, we're still looking for 75 buddies, which if you all say yes, we have plenty here. So feel free to stop by out there and sign up and come be a part of this amazing event with us. Our mandatory meeting is this Tuesday, so the time is now to sign up. You are joining us in week three of our series, Demonstrate and Declare, focusing on the topic of evangelism. Rob has shared the last two weeks on how evangelism is declaring the good news of Jesus Christ to all people, and as ambassadors, we hold a beautiful story of reconciliation that our city needs to hear. This series has held the themes of listening, trust, prayer, and compassion, and I encourage you to go back and listen to our last two weeks. But our topic today is justice as a form of evangelism. I want to bring you back a decade plus to a little thing called Give a Shirt. Who remembers Give a Shirt? Awesome. So many of you. Give a Shirt started because our student ministries department challenged our students to pay attention to their neighborhoods, their cities, and uh, their schools, and to see where there was students, students experiencing a gap in services, students who were experiencing a vulnerability at some point. And then we encouraged them to come before a panel and pitch what they were finding and pitch a ministry for how we could move towards vulnerable students in our city. And so many ideas were pitched, but one of them was this. The injustice was that there was 900 plus youth that the student, that the Salem-Kaiser School District had identified as homeless. And the school district was doing an amazing job of providing transportation, food, etc., trying to keep these students in school and get an education. But one of the gaps was that there was nobody providing clothes. So as you can imagine, if you're showing up to school every day in the same outfit, at some point, you're gonna just stop showing up. And so that's where Give a Shirt came in. We sold t-shirts for $20, and we used the proceeds to invite those students who had been identified by the school district to come shopping with us and to get new clothes. We held these events in lots of different places over the years, but one time we held it at Old Navy, and what the manager did was they took our give shirts they put them on all the mannequins so when you walked in the door you saw the give shirts on the mannequins and then the manager bought pizza for our students and brought in extra employees to be personal shoppers with our students and then we said hey here's what we've raised financially here's their each student's budget and they said we'll double that we want students to be able to get more and through these events uh, we got to know our students and we got to help them with job applications and we got to just talk life with them. One person noticing a gap in services to a vulnerable population led to an incredible season of demonstrating and declaring the gospel through acts of care and advocacy. As we begin to look at justice as evangelism, I just want to say from the outset, we have an incredible legacy here of individually and corporately moving towards the vulnerable people in our city and blessing them. However, I want to also say the work is not done. And so before we fully dive in to what God has for us today, I just want to invite you to close your eyes with me for a moment. And answer honestly, what comes to mind when you hear the word justice? What feelings or emotions arise? And what pictures or experiences come into your mind's eye?
Father, Son, and Spirit, we acknowledge our thoughts, feelings, and presuppositions around this word justice. And we humbly ask you to remove and shape anything we are holding that does not align with your original intent or vision for this word. We want all of what we think and do here to be shaped by your heart, your wisdom, and your scriptures, all of which have been displayed to us through your son, Jesus. We thank you for that. Amen. Now that we have a clean slate, let's do a little crash course on biblical justice. All right, so the word for justice in Hebrew is mishpat, and it occurs 200 times in the scriptures. So pull out your Bibles. We're going to hit them all. Cancel your plans. You're going to be here with me. I'm not going to do that to you. But it's clear that God is passionate about justice. And so I've taken some verses and consolidated them so that we can just build a foundation for what we mean when we say biblical justice. So the first thing I wanna do is look at scriptures related to how God himself identifies with justice. We see in Psalm 146, seven, he gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. Our God is a God of justice. Justice emanates from his throne and he is our fierce advocate. If you looked at all 200 verses, you would see that God is repetitive in his care and concern for the vulnerable. God often references the vulnerable as the poor, the foreigner, orphan, widow, and prisoner. This group is unprotected, but God is their bodyguard. And he delights in being identified as the father to the fatherless and the defender of widows. Every decision and action that God makes is perfectly righteous, perfectly just, perfectly fair, because he is perfect love. Now let's look briefly at God's instructions for his people concerning justice. Proverbs 31 says this, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. Have the same rule of law for the foreigner as the native. Learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. Hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the, most, the more important things. As ambassadors to a loving king who rules a kingdom of justice and righteousness, it is no, or it should be no shock to us that we are commissioned to be people of justice, to speak up and declare dignity and fair treatment for the vulnerable. Interestingly enough, nowhere in these 200 plus verses do I ever see an opt out or an unsubscribe button. 
The last thing I want to note in our crash course is that righteousness and justice go hand in hand. Scholars define righteous as those right with God and therefore committed to putting right all other relationships in life. This is not just a private righteousness, but a social righteousness. Righteousness seeks relational restoration. Justice seeks restoration in the places and systems that are in disrepair. But both invite us to pray, your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. It's important when engaging the scriptures on this topic that we understand that righteousness and justice hold hands are two sides of the same coin and both desire kingdom restoration. This series is on evangelism, and our definition for evangelism has been this, the revelation of the good news to people. And that good news of Jesus Christ can be revealed to people through many avenues. Rob said it well in week one when he said, evangelism is an invitation to partner with God and what he's already doing. God is always moving towards his people, reconciling them to himself, and he invites us to join him in declaring who he is and welcoming people home to the family of God. So based on our quick crash course here, what do we mean by the phrase justice as evangelism? Justice as evangelism is the revelation of the good news to people through intentional, dignifying acts of care and advocacy, especially for the vulnerable. Now that's a lot to remember, so I shortened it down to this. Acts of justice reveal the good news of Jesus. Acts of justice reveal the good news of Jesus. So what does this look like? Well, I want to introduce you to a guy named Job. So if you'd pull out your Bibles, turn to Job chapter 29. That's where we're going to be today. And while you're turning there, I'm going to just give you a little intro on Job. Job 1.1 tells us this. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. So this is a man of righteousness. He is right with God and committed to putting all other relationships right. And in chapter 29, verse 11, we find Job defending his integrity by recounting how he has lived and acted as a man of justice and righteousness. And we will see in this Hebrew poetry retelling how his lifestyle opened the door for the good news. So, Job chapter 29, verse 11. All who heard me praised me. All who saw me spoke well of me. For I assisted the poor in their need and the orphans who required help. I helped those without hope and they blessed me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Everything I did was honest. Righteousness covered me like a robe, and I wore justice like a turban. I served as eyes for the blind and feet for the lame. I was a father to the poor and assisted strangers who needed help. I broke the jaws of godless oppressors and plucked their victims from their teeth. Skip down to verse 21 with me. 
Everyone listened to my advice. They were silent as they waited for me to speak. And after I spoke, they had nothing to add for my counsel satisfied them. At the beginning of this section, we see that the people are praising Job and speaking well of him. And at the end, we see that they're listening to his advice. Why? Well, the word for in our NLT translation also can be translated as because. And so we see because, and then look at all these verbs. He's assisting, helping, serving, being a father, breaking the jaws of oppressors. If that's not a metal band, I don't know what is. <laughs> and then notice who he does this for. The poor, orphan, widow, the blind, the stranger. People spoke well of Job. They listened to Job because he moved towards the vulnerable in his city and he did justice. Job is saying, look at me. My actions are a visible reflection of an invisible God. And may we church family have the humility, the compassion, the dependence on Holy Spirit, and may I say the audacity of Job <laughs> to say, you want to see what God looks like? Look at me. You want to see what God values? Look at her. You want to see how my God acts in the world? Look at him. Look at us and touch him. Look at us and hear him. Look at us and be met with mercy in our eyes. We will show you what he looks like. Justice is not a cold legal term. Justice is flesh. It's the flesh of Jesus who died to make things right. It's the flesh, it's my flesh dignifying the flesh of my brothers and sisters who are being crushed. And it is assisting, caring, helping, serving, and breaking the systems and institutions that oppress and fillet them. When people see and experience a defender God and a wounded healer Jesus, walls come down and the good news moves forward. So church family, what can we take away from our friend Job on how to enact justice in our own lives? The first thing I see is this, to clothe ourselves in righteousness and justice. It says in verse 14 that Job clothed himself daily in righteousness and justice, and in turn, righteous and just activity flowed from him. Every morning when we wake up, we think about what we are going to physically clothe ourselves with. I'm sure we were all clothing ourselves with lots of layers last week with the snow. And what if we took the same amount of time to in the morning go, what disposition, what attitude do I need to clothe myself with? Because I know for me, if I don't take a moment and, and think about it, what I do is I clothe myself with busyness or I clothe myself with indifference. And maybe it seems like too big of a leap to start praying, God, would you clothe me in righteousness and justice? But maybe a first step could be, would you clothe me in awareness? Would you clothe me in engagement? 
There's a couple here who goes to church and they were telling me the story of this past week with the snow. They were out um, on a walk and it, they'd gotten to the point where they were like, okay, this isn't fun anymore, we're cold. So they were trying to get back quickly and they see in the distance this older lady and she's she has all these bags in her hands and she is like slipping and sliding and trying to keep it all upwards and they notice her but they're far enough away that they don't need to do anything. But clothed in righteousness and clothed in justice, they move towards her and they go up to her and they say, can we help you? And she says, yes, please. And the wife grabs the grocery bags and the husband gives his arm and together they walk this 86-year-old lady safely the three blocks back to her home. And when they get back to her home, she turns to them and she thanks them and she blesses them. Just like verse 13 they cause the widow's heart to sing for joy. How can we be a people who daily wake up and clothe ourselves with righteousness and justice, awareness and engagement? The second thing we see is move towards those who are vulnerable, pull up a chair and listen. This quote was shared with me this week and I thought, yes, and so I have to share it with you. It says this, distance breeds suspicion but proximity breeds empathy. So true. You see, when I pull up a chair and I look you in the face, I'm no longer standing above you, I'm standing with you. And when I pull up a chair and I look you in the eyes and I listen to your name, I'm showing you value. And when I pull up a chair and I say, tell me your story, and I lean back and I get comfortable because I want to communicate that we have all the time that we need. And there's something that I can learn from you. And when we pull up a chair, all of my judgments and assumptions about you melt away. And I realize that you and I are the same. Made in the image of God, gifted, and deeply beloved. When I was in college, I lived in Seattle for a year and there was a group of us who every week would go down to this soup kitchen. And we didn't go down to serve or hand out food, we went down to just be with the people. And so we would go down and we would get food and we'd sit outside in the gloomy, rainy Seattle weather and we would listen to stories and we would hear names and we would share joys and we would share frustrations. And over time, strangers became friends. And our friends would say, why do you come down here to just sit with us? And we would say, because we've experienced a love that's transformed us and we want to show it to you but if you have a moment, could we tell it to you? When we pull up a chair, we get the opportunity to listen to our neighbors and to know how we can effectively speak up for, defend, care for, and break off the fangs of oppressors. But we have to first pull up a chair and listen. The third thing I notice is do justice. Intentionally care and advocate for and with the vulnerable. I know some of you out there who know your Bibles are going, when's she going to say Micah 6.8? That's like the verse. Huh? Yeah, I hear you giggling. It's now. Micah 6.8, this is our justice verse. 
says this, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Nike tapped into the brilliance of the prophet Micah thousands of years later by stealing what he said and saying, just do it. When we pull up a chair and have relational investment and knowledge from listening, we get to ask God these questions. Where are the people and places and communities, where are the people, places, and communities who are not living in the shalom that you desire for humanity? Where are things not right? Where are people falling through the fabric of our society and we need to do some repair work? Where is brokenness begetting brokenness? We pray for wisdom, opportunities, favor, and we jump in and we do it. And sometimes with a plan and sometimes without a plan. We creatively combine acts of compassion with advocacy, co-laboring with and for those in our city who are vulnerable. We do justice for the one. There's a gentleman who came in to feed Salem about a month ago, and our intake volunteer was sitting there, and she said, what do you need? And he said, I need food, and I need a can opener. She knew we don't have can openers. That's not something that's on our donation list. We don't have those laying around. She could have quickly said, I got food for you. I don't have a can opener. But she was clothed in righteousness and clothed in justice. And so she said, wait a second. She popped right up. She walked over to me. I was in the back of the warehouse. And she says, Ash, I've got a gentleman who needs a can opener. And I looked at her and I smiled. Little did she know. Two hours before, when I was setting up the warehouse, I came in, I was getting everything ready, bustling about, and there was this can opener sitting on a table. I said, where did this come from? Why is this here? Who left this? I grabbed it, I put it on a shelf. When that volunteer came up, I smiled, and I said, we have a can opener. And she goes, we do? I go, yep. Grabbed it off the shelf, we both marched back, sat in front of the gentleman and looked him in the eyes and said, sir, just so you know, God really loves you because we don't have can openers. And I don't know where this can opener came from, but I found it today on the back table. And let me tell you this, God put this can opener for you because he knows your needs, he sees you, he loves you. I need you to know that there's a God who loves you. Here's your can opener. We only got to have that conversation with that gentleman because that lady listened cared and advocated for him. And he got to feel loved and seen and heard here about a God who loves him. We do justice for the one. We do justice for the many. Furniture Bank, our ministry supporting families with furniture, recently just got invited with two other furniture banks in the state to come and speak before a legislative committee to advocate for thousands of families in our state who need beds, couches, and other assistance so that they can live in a safe place where they can flourish and experience shalom. We do justice for the many. If you don't know where to start when it comes to doing justice, may I invite you to circle back to our gifts, passions, and story assessment? You're like, ah, here she goes. 
Here's the thing with gift, passion, and stories. It asks, it asks you, what are vulnerable people that God's breaking your heart for? And the thing that I love about this assessment is that you are already equipped with all the gifts you need to do justice, but sometimes we need something to point it out and empower us and help us know where to start. So I just encourage you, if you haven't taken this yet, or if you did and you have your results, circle back. See if that helps you identify where you can begin to do justice and where you've been uniquely gifted to do justice. Acts of justice reveal the good news of Jesus while simultaneously giving us room to, and here's my last point, share our why. Once we have listened, shown dignity, engaged with the vulnerable, and engaged in the injustices that they are facing alongside them and with them, they are going to be inclined to hear our why. To hear about the person who transforms lives, Jesus. A God who moves towards us in love, who died for us out of love, who desires us to receive his love, and be created new through his love, and be reconciled as a person of love. Salem Free Clinics does this so well. Salem Free Clinics is across the street, and they offer dignity and quality medical care to those who do not have medical insurance. And they care for them, and they listen to them, and they attend to their physical needs. And then at the end, they say, would you like prayer? And when people go, yeah. They use that to say, how can we pray for you? And spiritual conversations happen. And you'll see over here that we have a rose signifying somebody even this week who launched into a spiritual conversation with somebody and made the decision to follow the love of Jesus and live in the love of Jesus. We can celebrate that, yes. Justice as evangelism is the hands of Jesus and it's the mouth of Jesus. Regardless of our comfortability, we don't get to cut up Jesus and just take the parts that we prefer or we like. Justice as evangelism is the whole gospel. It's all of Jesus for all the world proclaimed through demonstration and declaration. And I think Jesus said it best when he said this. Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Acts of justice reveal the good news of Jesus. To wrap up, I wanna say this. In Greek mythology, Sisyphus is cursed to the eternal punishment of rolling a boulder up a hill in Hades. And as I walk our city, look out my front window, talk to mamas on the phone who have lost their jobs and are facing eviction, dads who are struggling to figure out how they're gonna pay their utilities bills, the gentleman who walks into Feed Salem and is so cold and so down on his luck that all he can say is, I'm hungry. The families who are living in their cars, living in hotels, or, or, or. The brokenness, unjust, unfair, unright situations can feel to me like a mountain. And as if we are Sisyphus, forever doomed to push a boulder up a hill. But the picture God gave me as I was relating to Sisyphus was these lyrics and this image. 
I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. God is not calling us to something that he is not already doing. He is the one who gives justice to the oppressed. He is the one who's holding the boulder. So be not afraid, family. We climb the mountain together, side by side, with hands wide open, freely giving what we have freely received. I want to close in prayer. God of justice and righteousness, you first pulled a chair up and loved us, and we just respond by saying thank you. Would you show us how to do likewise? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.